I want to jump to the end. So if you haven't been here or if you've missed a couple weeks or maybe you're not familiar with the story of Nehemiah, kind of the overarching idea is that Nehemiah, he and his people, the Israelites, had been in captivity for 140 odd years and the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. Nehemiah lived about a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, but he got a report that the walls were still broken. It was shambles and it was really a shameful thing. It was totally uh, unprotected from enemies and it was just a problem. And Nehemiah got this burden that you should go do something, that God put something in his heart. And so we've been looking each week at the extraordinary, extraordinary story of how Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem. He gathered up people and he rallied around this one mission, this one idea of rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah chapter six is kind of the culmination. There are several more chapters, but this is kind of the culmination of the rebuilding. And in verse number 15, it's kind of the, it's kind of the yes, it got done. Verse number 15 says this, so the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And so it's done. They accomplished it. The question that we're going to try to answer today is how do I get from where I'm at to the completion of where I want to be? If I look at my life and see some areas where I really think that God has called me to move, I think that God has called me to grow, I think that God has called me to change, but I've got some places to, I've got some ways to go until I get there. What type of things might I fight against? And kind of the big idea today, if you fall asleep or if you're online and you lose connection or whatever, if you don't remember anything else, kind of the crux of what we're talking about today is the closer that you get to accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish, man, the harder your enemy is gonna fight to stop you. That the closer you get to, uh, I've crossed the finish line, I really made some progress, I broke through, Man, the harder your enemy, the opposition is gonna fight to keep you held back. Because here's what you know to be true, is that you don't face opposition for doing something wrong. People cheer you on for doing something wrong. There's virtually no tension in doing something wrong. It's when you try to make some positive change. It's when you try to move in a better direction that all of a sudden, I just, I just feel like my legs are getting cut out from underneath me, you say, man, I'm gonna sign up to go to Marty's Bible study, and I'm ready, and I've got my Monday nights booked out, and then about 6.30, when you're getting ready to leave, kind of all hell breaks loose in your house, and your kids start acting crazy, and the wash machine explodes, and it's just, man, I, I had this plan, and I wanted to grow, and now what's happening? You say, you know what? I, I, I really want our marriage to grow and I want to have a spiritual marriage and I want us to be connected spiritually and you try to make some progress and then you know, on the way to church, you get into the biggest fight that you've ever been in on the way to church. And I know that's never happened to you guys. I'm just talking about people that I've heard of before that have been in a fight on the way to church. And you walk in and you have to push the pause button on the fight because you gotta smile as people are coming in and people are gonna say, hey, how are you? And you're gonna say, I'm great. But you know that as soon as the door closes on your way back home, it is on like Donkey Kong. And again, these are people I've heard of. I know that that's not you. Man, you, you prioritize, we're gonna be in church, we're gonna get connected, and then again, Saturday night, you set the alarm, the alarm doesn't work, and all of a sudden you wake up and it's too late, I just can't, can't get there. It's just, man, I, I'm trying to make some progress. Maybe for you it's more health, 
say, I'm trying to lose some weight and I'm trying to get healthier. And it's been a good January. Things, you've, you've made some progress and you've started to see, man, my pants fit a little bit looser and I, I, I still got a ways to go. And then you go to the store and it's a two for one special on double stuffed Oreos. And you love double stuffed Oreos. You're not interested in the, in the diet Oreos. You know the diet Oreos that are just single stuffed? Nobody has time for the diet Oreos. I want the double stuffed Oreos because those are, listen, when, this is not part of the sermon, but last week, I don't know if you know or not, uh, the Chiefs played a, a game. I've never been so stressed in all my life. I didn't sit down and I texted my wife in the middle of the game. And I don't eat a lot of sweets anymore. I eat some, but I don't eat a lot. Your boy fell off the wagon <laughs> in a big way uh, on Sunday because it was just pure. I wasn't hungry, but I was stressed. And you know what helped my stress was Oreos dipped in milk like Jesus made it to be. And, uh, and again, my wife can eat a Oreo or two Oreos. I'm working on like a row of Oreos. I'm just... <laughs> I gotta make some progress. I gotta make some, I gotta make some progress. What do you do with that? So we're trying to, this morning, take a look at maybe what strategies, because, because if, if what scripture says is true, and if what your reality has kind of proven to be right, is that you have a spiritual enemy. Is that you have an enemy that Jesus said, his sole goal for you is to steal and to kill and destroy. That Jesus came, he said, so that you can have life and life to the full, but you have an enemy that steals and kills and destroys. And when you, like Nehemiah, get something put in your heart, that God says, I want you to move here, and I want you to go in this direction, I want you to, to make some positive change, and it's this kingdom-centered, God-centered thing. Your spiritual enemy, he's gonna do everything that he can to try to distract and disrupt and discourage. And so what we're gonna try to do today is not take away those things, because I don't think that's possible. I don't think it's reality that you're going to remove distractions and remove disruptions, but what I wanna to try to do this morning from Nehemiah chapter six is just to show us what we can be aware of so that when that inevitably comes, we can call it for what it is. We can say, oh, I know why this is happening. And because I know why this is happening, it doesn't make it necessarily any easier, it just helps me to be aware. This is a, a spiritual thing, that I can keep moving through this because, man, the enemy's shown his, his hand. He doesn't have any new strategies. He doesn't have any new ideas. What he did to Nehemiah is the same thing that he'll try to do to you, and we might not be able to remove it, but we can at least be aware of it. And the first thing he'll try to do is distract you. Your enemy will try to distract you. Nehemiah chapter six, if you have a, a Bible and you wanna follow along or, or if you wanna just follow along again on the screen, verses number one and two, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, those are the bad guys. If you haven't been with us, these are kind of the three anti-heroes of the story that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not to set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message, come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plains of Ono. Quick pause. If you're ever invited to go to a place called Ono, don't go. Don't go to Ono. And for some of you, that's all you need today. You can be done for the day. You can close the Bible. That's all you need. Just don't go to Ono. But they were scheming to 
harm me. So they said, hey, hey, I, I, I see that you're just about there, just the doors aren't there. Let me just distract you a little bit. And isn't it true we live in such a distracting world? I mean, there's just everything. There's dings and there's buzzes and there's all of this information coming and it's so easy. I'm at the front of the line. I get distracted so easy and we're smart enough most of the time to not give in to these big distractions, but it's the little distractions over time that really can derail us. Well, I'm just gonna do this for a little bit. I'm just gonna, I know I, I, I said that I was gonna read the Bible every day, but I just want to check on Facebook really fast, and then all of a sudden, the next thing we know, man, it's time to get the school, uh, uh, it's time to get the kids ready for school, and it wasn't this big, overwhelming thing. It was just these these little things. I just want to play just one quick thing on my phone. I just want to do this one little extra thing, and I get it. I'm there with you. But what we're trying to get to today, again, what's the enemy's plan? Well, first he'll try to distract you, and oftentimes it'll be good things. But good things can distract you, and you've lived long enough to know this, is that good things can often distract you from the best things, from the God things. Yeah, it's not, I mean, there's no problem getting on Facebook. That's great. Do it. That game probably is maybe a stress reliever. It's no, it's no problem. It's just when they distract me and when they pull me away from what God has called me to do. And so when you're on the wall and when you hear the distractions and you hear the things, hey, come and focus on me a little bit. Let's do what Nehemiah said. Verse number two again, he says this, Sent Balat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let's meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. And so what did he do? I sent messengers to them with this reply. And here's your reply. When you feel the distractions, when you, you just say this. Man, I'm, I'm carrying on a great work. I've got a great project. I can't go down. I can't get distracted. I can't be uh, fooling with this thing over here. It's not because it's bad. It's not because it's sinful. It's not because it's the worst thing in the world. It's just gonna distract me from what God is calling me to do. Why should the work stop? Why should I put the brakes on the progress while I leave it and go down to you? And so I just have to have the courage. You have to have the courage to say, no, I'm not going to do that because, not because it's bad, it's just, it's just gonna distract me from what God has called me to do. That just because I sh- can do something doesn't mean I should do something. You're doing a great work. And your great work might be raising kids. And because you're raising kids, you say, I, it might be great to pick up that extra shift, but I just can't because it's gonna distract me from the great work I'm doing with my kids. And maybe someday I'll be able to say yes to that. Maybe it's a no for now so that I can say yes to something else. Because, and you know this, we've talked about this before, every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. You, you, you can't say yes to everything. And so when you say yes to God's call and to God's vision and to God's purpose on your life, I have to say no to some things, even though they might be good things. I'm not going to get sidetracked. I'm not going to move in a direction that causes me to lose my focus. And it keeps going. Four times they sent me the message. And so it's not that you can just get rid of the distraction and then it's never bad again. And over and over and over, they sent me the same message. But each time, I was just resolute. I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna be sidetracked by the thing that sounds good but weren't the God thing for my life. There's some things, listen, there's some things that are a perfect fit for somebody else that aren't a fit for you. There's some schedules that other families can keep up with 
that you can't keep up with. There are some things that other families can get involved in those activities and they are good and they are positive and and they're growing because of it, but it would be distracting for you. You've gotta be willing to say, I'm not coming down. I'm, I'm just not kind of, I'm doing a great work. I'm, I'm working on, God has really called me. I am working the best that I can to get out of debt. I can't be distracted. I know it's on sale. And I know that I really want that thing. And one day it might be a great thing. It's just not a great thing today. And so if I could encourage you as your friend, I would just say to learn to say no to some good things so that you can say yes to God's best things. Because God's got a call on your life. God's got a plan for you. Every time, again, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Have you said yes to God in an area? Have you said, God, I'll make some progress. God, I'm going to move. Well, okay. Well, maybe that means you have to say no to sleeping in so much. Maybe it means you have to say no to picking up that extra little side hustle. Because, not because it's bad, it's just not the great work God's called me to In this season, some of you, you're raising young kids. That's the good work that God has for you. That your children are your most important work. And your most important work requires you to say no to some other things. I I know my kids' schedule. And I know my kids' personalities. One of our kids needs a lot more downtime and a lot more kind of isolated time than some of the other friends that this one has. And so that means that for her, we say no to some things for her just because we know, man, if you say yes to that, yeah, it would be great, but it's distracting and it's gonna cause stress and it's gonna cause chaos. You can do that for yourself. So not only will your enemy try to distract you with all the bells and whistles, will also try to discredit you by spreading rumors. Anybody ever had some rumors spread against them? Anybody ever tried to make some progress and make some change and the chirpy chirpers start to kind of talk and people start to kind of, well, I don't know about them and they seem to not be hanging out with us anymore and it's probably because of this or this is probably what's going on. Well, it's just, you just gotta see it for what it is. I can't stop it, I can't make it go away, but you can see what's going on from the outside. But the enemy is going to try to discredit you by spreading rumors. Verses number five through seven. Then the fifth time, so he talked about it four times. I'm doing a great work, I'm not coming down. And so they decided to change the strategy. This isn't working, so let's do this. The fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter. It's like a letter to the editor. You've seen, uh, like, open letters where a CEO will write a letter so that everybody can see it. That's, that's what this is, in which was written, it is reported among the nations. And Geshem says it's true. I mean, everybody's kind of saying, here's the... Here's the word on the street. And Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. And therefore, you're building a wall. Moreover, according to these reports, I mean, everybody's saying this is, this is what the word is on the street. You're about to become the king. And have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come let us meet together. Gossip, slander, lies. How many of you know this morning that just because somebody says it's true doesn't make it true? That just because somebody says, well, everybody's saying, well, there's a number of people that are saying, well, what? Again, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. What is the number? You know, because one, 
is a number. And zero is a, a number. But people love to, love to talk. Again, you don't face opposition for doing something wrong. When, when you were making the wrong choices, when you were just going around the floor, remember how easy your life was? Remember how stress-free your life was? Nobody ever bothered you. Your life was just wrinkle-free, and then you started to make some progress, and all of a sudden, well, why? It's, it's the work of the enemy. He's trying to discredit you. He's trying to discourage you. He's trying to keep you from moving in a direction. Those vague accusations often sound like, well, everybody's talking about, or a number of people are saying. So what did Nehemiah do? Verse number eight. I send him this reply. Hey, nothing like what you're saying is happening You're just making it up in your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. In other words, just trying to intimidate them. And there's a good reason that the the king had sent Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. But if word got back to the king that Nehemiah was trying to usurp him and get power for himself, and if the king believed that, Man, it could mean death to Nehemiah. So there was reason to be intimidated. And so here's what Nehemiah prayed. Now strengthen my hands. Here's a prayer for some of you. I don't know if you pray or not, but you all can pray this. And some of you need to pray this this afternoon. God, strengthen my hands on the days that I want to throw hands. Because there are some days that then just around the, 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 the town, you and me, I'm with you. You think that the right response is, well, I'm just gonna fight back. They're saying this, and so I'll say this. And they're getting this team, and so I'm gonna get my team. And so here's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah, God, God my, my hands are getting weak. I'm getting intimidated. My initial reaction might be to fight back, but God, if I fight back, again, it's just gonna get discredit me. It's gonna distract me. It's gonna keep me from doing what you've called me to do. And so God, would you strengthen my hands? Not so that my punch is stronger, but no, so that I can maintain the work that you're called me to. Tomorrow morning, when, before some of you go to the office, you need to pray that prayer. God, strengthen my hands so that I don't throw some hands. God, strengthen my hands so that I don't get caught up in the tit for tat. And they said this, and so I'll say that. I don't wanna gather my own group. I don't wanna start the gossip train on my own. I'm going to ignore what they're saying. I'm gonna say what Nehemiah said. Hey, you're just making it up in your head. Nothing about what you say is true. Nehemiah chose, and it's so hard. I'm gonna let God be my defender. I, I don't have to defend myself against every accusation. I don't have to defend myself against what everybody else says. If God has called me to this, if God is pushing me in this direction, then I'm gonna let God be the one that is the ultimate decider. Lord, would you help me, help me, help me? Would you help me bite my tongue? When I'm so tempted to fight back and to start rumors and gossip on my own about that person, would you help me to bite my tongue? Would you help me to live the Jesus way that I'm just gonna turn the other cheek? Jesus did this himself when he was getting ready to be crucified. Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony that they are bringing against you? And none of the testimony was true. And Jesus could have defended himself. He could have said, no, that's garbage. And he could have avoided the entire crucifixion and all the pain associated with it. But Jesus knew he was on a mission from God, and it wasn't these guys that were gonna be the judge of him. It was God that was gonna be the judge of him. And so he made no reply not even do a single charge. Why? Because what they said was true? No. 
because Jesus knew God's the one that's got my life in his hands. And God's called me to this. And he's got an end goal for me. And if I get so caught up with these other guys that are just kind of discrediting and distracting, I can't do what God's called me to do. And so I'm just not even going to answer it. I'm not even going to let myself get pulled into it. And it's, I get it. It's hard. It's really hard. But again, just as your friend, can I encourage you, don't let what someone else says drown out what God has already said. There's all sorts of people that have all sorts of opinions. There's people that think this and don't understand your motivations and don't understand why you're making some changes and don't understand why are you not coming out with this and why aren't you going out this way and why, 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 why? And because of the pressure, we can say, God, I know that you've called me to this, but all these other voices are so strong, don't let it drown them out. So he'll try to distract you and he'll try to discredit you. And here's the third one, that your enemy will try to tempt you to compromise. Distract, discredit, and tempt you to compromise. This next little portion is a little bit confusing without the context, so let's read it. This is Nehemiah chapter 6, 10 to 13. We'll read it, and then we'll help you to understand why this is even a big deal. So starting in verse number 10, it says this. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of Methbel, who was shut in his home, and he said, let's go meet in the house of God inside the temple And let us close the temple doors, because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. And so it seems like this guy is on Nehemiah's side. That's kind of the, what, this guy, what a friend. Verse number 11. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Wait a minute, Nehemiah, why? That doesn't make sense. Here's why, here's why this is a big deal is that Nehemiah, the only people that were allowed in the temple were priests. Nehemiah was not a priest. And this guy, we'll find out later, had actually been bribed to give Nehemiah this false prophecy or this false idea to tempt him to, hey, go to a place there you're not supposed to be at. And so Nehemiah, what looked good on the outside Nehemiah was able to use discernment and say, I think there's more going on here than meets the eye. I think that there's something going on underneath. And if I go into the temple, it's a sin. It's not a sin for the priests, but for Nehemiah, it would have been sinful for him to go. And so he was able to use discernment. I realize, verse number 12, that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired not to help me, but to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. So what do we say when we're making progress? God, I'm not gonna be distracted. God strengthened my hands and I'm not giving up my integrity. I'm not giving up my witness. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to compromise. It seems small, but I'm not going to go in a direction that God has called me to not go into just to make it easier for me. I'm doing a great work. I'm moving in a direction, and it's discernment, and we all need that. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, what you should pray for every day is, God, give me the strength to strengthen my hands so I don't throw hands, but also, God, would you give me discernment? 
Because sometimes things look right on the outside that underneath are full of problems. And some people and some relationships and some opportunities, man, at the first glance, that just looks so wonderful and so great. But God, give me the gift of discernment so that I can see things the way that you see them. Here's what discernment is, if you're not familiar with that word. It's the ability to judge matters according to God's view of them and not according to their outward appearance. that's, That's what we have to have that I want to judge this person the way that God sees them. I want to judge this invitation by how God sees it. I want to judge this opportunity by what God says, not by what I just see and what everybody else sees. And there's no shortcut. The, the, the only way to get discernment is to grow in discernment. You, you don't wake up one day and be a discerning person. We often get tripped up. You can look back on your life at different seasons. And you can say, how, how could I have been so foolish? How could I have been tricked? How could, I, how could have things looked so good when they were so bad? Well, it's just a, it's a discernment problem. And again, there's no shortcut. Hebrews said it this way, that though by this time you ought to be teachers and you need someone to teach you, he's kind of, he's kind of scolding these people. Uh, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over again. You need milk, not, not solid food. And he says, listen, when, when you're a baby, as a person, what do you live on? You live on, you live on milk. When you first come to faith in Jesus, it's kind of the same way. That you grow up and, and it's just kind of milk. And, but as you grow in your faith, you should start to, just as a person does, start to get solid food. He says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted about the teachings of, of righteousness. So if, here's how, what it's saying. That if you lived your whole life and you were an adult that still lived on milk alone, you're not gonna be healthy. It's just not gonna work. Is it absolutely, everybody has to start with milk, but if you keep that, man, that's, that's not a healthy way to live. Christianity, we start with milk, but if, if you need just everybody to give you every answer, it's not a healthy way to live. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use, I mean, I, I'm in God's word, I'm, I'm in a gathering like this on the weekends when it's possible, I'm feeding myself, who by constant use have trained themselves, I'm distinguishing good from evil. I have that discernment. The only way for you to get discernment is to get understanding. What, what does God say about things? What does God's word say about this? And that's what you, you can just pray every morning. God strengthen my hands when I want to throw hands, and God, would you give me the gift of discernment? Because some things look really great. Man, with the gift of discernment, I see, ah, there's there's something going on below the surface. And so the wall was completed, 25th of Elul, in 52 days. When all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid, and they lost their self-confidence because that they had realized that this work had been done with the help of God. You know why I love this story? You know why I love Nehemiah? There's no miracles. There's no lightning from heaven. There's no just outrageous things. There was just a man who heard from God and obeyed. And a man that said, God, I'm not gonna get distracted. I'm not gonna get knocked off course, I'm not gonna compromise, I'm gonna overcome obstacles, I'm gonna ignore distraction, and what everybody else thought was impossible was completed in 52 days. After it had been broken down for 140 years, 
a man decided this is what God has called me to do and I'm gonna grab a hold of it and I'm not going to let go until God gets me to the finish line, until God does something extraordinary through me. And when it was accomplished, everybody looked at the wall of Jerusalem and said, man, that must have been God. That could only have been done by God. And that's what I want my life to look like. Like my, my life has been called to, to do something like this, to pastor a church and to help people and to open up scripture and to, to hopefully explain it in such a way that other people can grab it. That's kind of God's call on my life. And at the end of my life, when, when people look at me, I don't want them to say, man, Kyle was really great. I want them to say about my life, man, that was, there's no way Kyle could have done that. That had to have been God working through him because he's not near smart enough, he's not near skilled enough, he's not near clever enough to do that on his own. And if I only do what I'm capable of, what a wasted life. If I only accomplish what my little hands and my little brain can accomplish, what a wasted life. But I want at the end of my life for people to look and say, man, it must have been God. God must have done something extraordinary through him. And he overcame distractions, and he wasn't taken aside by this, and he maintained, and it wasn't perfect, but only God. And so here's the question that you have to wrestle to the ground for yourself, and then we're gonna go home for the day. What great work might God have for you? Nehemiah was not special. I am not special. Nehemiah was just willing to say, God, if there's something you want me to do, then I'll do it. I, at one point or another in my life, decided, God, if there's something you want my life to do, I'll do it. And it's been bumpy at times, and there's been struggles, and there's been a lot of times that I've gotten it wrong, and when I should have gotten it right. But there's a great work that he's called me to. And there's a great work that God's called you to. And I don't know what it is. Your great work is gonna be different than my great works. But here's what is going to be the common theme for all of us, is that the great work that God has called you to, it's not about me, me, me. It's always about God and his plan and his kingdom for his glory. And that the great work that God has called you to will always impact and make better the people that are around you. Nehemiah didn't build the wall so that he could have a wall. Nehemiah was fine. He, he lived in comfort. But he said, God, if this is what you call me to, and it's going to be for your kingdom and for your glory, and other people are going to be better off because of it, that's the way I'll go. My life, man, I don't want it to just be about my life. I want it to be impacting on other people. And in your life, God's, I'm just telling you, God's called you to something. But Kyle, I'm just in high school, or I'm, I, didn't, I don't have a college degree, or I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, or I'm still single, or doesn't matter, doesn't matter. God uses imperfect people to do extraordinary things on his behalf. If you're willing to, like Nehemiah, say, God, if you're calling me to it, then I'll go for it, and I'll overcome distractions, and I'm going to keep moving even though people try to discredit me, and I'm not gonna give in to compromise. I'm gonna go where you're calling me to go. Your marriage is a great work. Focus on it. Put some time and some effort and some energy in it. Raising your kids is a great work. Put some time and some focus and some energy and be willing to say no to some things so that you can say yes to some better things. Maybe at this stage of your life, you're taking care of your aging parents. That's a great work. Maybe for some of you that God has put in your heart to, 
to start to coach and to start to mentor and to start to be uh, a person that impacts and interacts with, with young people or middle school kids or high school kids. It's a, it's a great work. I don't know what it is, but God has something for you. And when you surrender to him, when you use the gifts that God has called you to use and given you to connect with the people that are around you, amazing things happen. And God will be glorified. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I'm praying that in all of us in the room and watching online, that you would put inside of us the great work that you've called us to. Lord, we don't want to live our lives just for us. We don't want to live for our glory and so that we can build our kingdom better, so that we can have a better bank account and drive a nicer car and go on better vacations. It's just a wasted life. And so, Lord, would you, through your Holy Spirit, whisper to each one of us, what's the great work that we're being called to? Lord, some of us know. Some of us know, even if we've been ignoring it, some of us know exactly what the great work is that we've been called to. Lord, some of us, if we're honest, we've been distracted from it. We've gotten so caught up in the voices of other people. We've kind of given in to some compromise. Would you help us to, to again today, set our faces focused on this is what God has called me to do. Lord, this week, help us not to get distracted. Lord, help us to not get bogged down with what other people say and what everybody else might think about it, but just go where you've called us to go. And Lord, would you help us to live in a discerning way that we can see right from wrong. We can see what you've called versus what other people are calling us to. And that our lives would be used for your kingdom and for your glory forever and ever. Amen.